if I'm just like putting things out and it's a one way, one directional flow, nothing happens, you know? But if I invite people to participate and then they respond and it's a two way flow, then all sorts of new things come out that I never thought of. You know, I thought I prepared for the class, but when we have, you know, when we have this participation, so all sorts of new ideas come out and it really is that, you know, it's not the teacher or the students or the material, it's all three at the same time and something magical that happens when all three comes together. That was Rabbi Natan Margalit, a new friend I was introduced to by our resident This Good Word guru, Rabbi Alan Ullman. Rabbi Natan is the director of Organic Torah, which is a not-for-profit, program-based, educational initiative to integrate ancient Jewish wisdom as a leading-edge voice in contemporary efforts to create a healthier, more sustainable, prosperous, and just world. I found myself exhilarated as I talked with Rabbi Natan, and I'm so grateful that I get to share this new friend and this conversation with you. Enjoy. Well, uh, I am here with Natan Margalit, and uh, you, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago that I wish I would have recorded because it was just so good. And we, we talked about it afterwards, man, we should have had, uh, we should have pressed record, but here we are. Hello, Natan. How are you, my friend? Good. I'm doing well, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We were, uh, I was just bragging about how beautiful spring is here in Minnesota as yeah. it's sort of languishing there in Boston. Is it not? Yeah, we got a lot of rain today. We had like snow last week in the end of March, so it's very crazy weather. So, <laughs> well, uh, so you are a rabbi, and I would love to, and, and you are uh, exploring something that I'm finding fascinating, which is organic Torah. But before you tell us about that, please just kind of tell us about your spiritual background and, and uh, how that has led you to being involved in what you're involved with now. Okay, that, uh, you know, that's a long story, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the very short. I mean, I grew up in Hawaii, so that was like a whole spiritual thing in itself, just because of the, the, the land and the ocean and everything is, you know, it's, it's a very special spiritual place growing up in Hawaii. Of course, I'm not sure how consciously I was aware of that, <laughs> but uh, I ended up going, you know, as a, in my early 20s, late teens and early 20s, going across exactly the other side of the world to Israel. Wow. And I got, I just seemed to get pulled there. And I ended up spending about 12 years in Israel and uh, studying there and getting very deeply into, into, into Judaism. I had really no, not much of any kind of Jewish background or, you know, spiritual background before that. But I got very deeply into First it was Orthodox Judaism, and then I kind of gradually grew away from that. I came back to the States and did graduate school and gradually kind of found my own way, which was not in not in the Orthodox world, but more what we're calling like renewal Judaism, which, you know, tries to integrate, you know, the best the best of the spiritual tradition with the best of what's happening now and 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 very uh, participatory and very open to other traditions as well. So that's the two minute uh, version of, of, of where I'm, where I am. Um, I've I, always, yeah. I love that um, definition of renewal Judaism. Could you, could you run that back again? Cause that was so good. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> came, off, <laughs> came out of my head, but 
you know, it, like I say, it's take it's renewal because they're not trying to go backwards and recover something that was. We're trying to take the best of the spiritual tradition with the best of what's happening in the world today, and so it, it, it we you know it draws on other spiritual traditions and uh, brings in tries to bring in the best of everything. Oh, that um, sounds delicious! So good. I think that's what uh, that's why we had so much chemistry the first time that we talked because I think. Uh, I just find that so fascinating. That's just so where I'm at. Um, so right. you are you are working on a book right now, and um, one of the things in the book is uh, th- this 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 thing that you were telling me the three mems. So right. uh, could you get into that for us? Yeah. So you know these are ways that I that I connect some of the some of the I think the deep wisdom that's that's in the tradition with some of the things that are, I think, shifting in our world today. It's, it's kind of like, I think, sort of the cutting edge of modern science and, and, you know, where we're going. But basically, these are things that uh, help us to see the world by putting it, putting things together, by seeing how things fit and integrate together, rather than what I think we've been doing for a couple centuries now, maybe three centuries, which is taking things apart. And right. analyzing analyzing the world, understanding the world by dividing it into its smallest parts, which gives us a lot of sense of power and, and control over the world, but it also separates us from the world and, and it and it has some dire consequences, especially for our environment, but also for just for our lives. We tend to think of ourselves as separate. So the three mems with uh, you know are uh, mem is the is is the letter in the Hebrew alphabet that corresponds to M in English, so it sounds the same. So they're mitzvah, uh, minyan, and mikdash. So uh, minyan. Let me start with that. So minyan, people yep. may know that that is a quorum of it. You know, in traditional times, it was ten men. Now, more often in progressive Judaism, it's men or women. But uh, it's a quorum that comes together, and it really is the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Once you have that that group of ten, it's something shifts and something changes. And in terms of in terms of Jewish law, you can do things that you couldn't do before. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's a symbol of something which I just find almost magical in the, this idea of emergence. That when things come together, something new emerges that wasn't that you couldn't find in any one of those small parts. Yes, you know. So, and that's basically life. Like when we think about how we're alive, like you know, it, it's you know we're basically these chemicals and molecules and things, and and yet somehow when when things come together, there is a spirit. There's something that 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 inhabits it, and it's a. Uh, it's really it's an amazing to, th- to you know to 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 witness that, but it also works in you know in art. Like so, for example, you know if like if you're writing, uh, you know if you're writing a song or a play, at a certain point it feels like it comes together yes. and it has a it has a life of its own. And you know if you're writing a, you know a novel, people talk about the characters start like you know they tell you what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to say. You listening to them even though you created them. Right, so right, right. That's that's emergence. You know, uh, when 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 things take on a life of their own. Uh, um, 
And it's just all over the place. So can I ask a question about that? Um, so uh, if emergence is this thing that comes together that couldn't have existed without this minion, without this collection of whatever it is that needs to be there, what are some of the characteristics within that people or those people that are necessary? Uh, you know, curiosity, uh, mystery, like like sort of, uh, what would you say are some of the characteristics necessary for emergence to, to, to happen? Well, you know, I think there, there just has to be a, a, an openness to, to something happening. You yes. know, it's like, yeah. I think people, because if people are sort of standing psychically, if they're standing on the outside, then, you know, then nothing has happened, you right. know, then nothing can happen. But if people actually are ready to, to dive in, and actually participate because that's the main thing. If you put yourself into it, then you then then something more comes out. So you know, if you're in a class, and I've had this experience so many times as a teacher. If you know, if uh, if I'm just like putting things out and it's a one way one directional flow, nothing happens. Right. You know, but if I invite people to participate and then they respond, and it's a two way flow, then all sorts of new things come out that I never thought of. You know, I thought I prepared for the class, but when <laughs> we have, you know, when we have this participation, so all sorts of new ideas come out and it really is that, you know, it's not the teacher or the students or the material. It's all three at the same time and something magical that happens when all three comes together. So that's emergence. That's what you would call emergence. That's what I'm calling. That's what I call emergence, and 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 that's you know, and that's key. You know, that's why I say like, I when I study Jewish texts, I spent all these years in Israel studying Jewish texts, and to me that was that was like always going through my head like, they're organized in a different kind of way than we what we're used to. They're organized in this sort of organic whole, so you can kind of like dive in anywhere and connect things all all over the place and. They connect because it really is kind of like a living organism, and that can be that can be confusing to people when they just jump in and say, "What's going? You know, why did it start in the middle, and why is it repeating itself?" But if you open yourself to that, it's a different way of organizing. Then you say, "Wow, you know, I just connected this verse to that verse, and all of a sudden something new emerged." Yes. Oh, that's so good. So like, can you, I mean, you're a teacher, can you give me an example of, uh, something in the text that, that you've seen as you've, as you've taught students that, oh my gosh, that is connected to that. Maybe, you know, it's the first time that the word light is used or something like that. Can you give us an example? Uh, let's see. I, I should have had an example, right? <laughs> um, well, let me, let me, uh, let me see. The uh, this is actually not from the Torah, but this is from the Mishnah, and this is an example I use all the time. Um, there is the very beginning of the Mishnah, which is the first compilation of the rabbis. It was two hundred year two hundred, and they start out. If you look at this first Mishnah, it's about some very prosaic, seemingly kind of boring. It's the laws of when do you say the Shema. Yeah. In the evening, so Shema Yisrael, and when can you allow? When you're allowed to say it, and when not allowed to say it, and then they, after they talk about that for a second, they compare that back to the priests in the temple, and you say, what in the world is going on there? 
Like, why do they even do that? But then you realize that's actually a purposeful juxtaposition because they wanted to show you that in the past, we oriented ourselves by space, looking to the temple and the sacred space and this sort of sacred uh, microcosm that was the temple and the and the concentric circles going out around it, radiating in space. And now that the Jews went into exile, they all of a sudden we have to orient ourselves by time. The, the Shema stands for that same oneness of God that they found in the temple in the world of space. Now we're going to find that oneness by our, by our saying this at a particular time. So we've shifted the whole shift from the world of space into the world of time so that so that the you know Abraham Joshua Heschel great rabbi of the 20th century used to say we build a we build palaces in time yes i've read and that the, the sabbath is a, is a palace in time yes and so it that just marks in that one little juxtaposition that marks a uh, a, a huge transition for for the Jewish people from a from a people of sp- of space into the into a people of time. So that's you know when and you could totally miss that if you weren't looking for how things are connected. Right. That's where curiosity. Right. I mean, that's got to be part of it. We have to be right. curious about how things are moving. All right. So so minion. That's the that's the first mem. Uh, what's the second one? So let's go to uh, Mikdash, because that's, that's actually really related to, to what we're talking about. Mikdash means sanctuary. And, and because, you know, in Jerusalem, in the old, that temple that we were just talking about with the priests, the Kohanim, that was a sanctuary. And of, and of course, in the middle of that was the Holy of Holies. Right. And then right. you had a holy area around that, and then a courtyard, and then a wall, and then the, an outer wall, and then Jerusalem. So all of these concentric circles of sanctuaries, and they were all there, you know, they all have a certain sanctity, and they all connect to one another. There's boundaries, but they're permeable boundaries. Yes. And so... That is a real key to the natural world as well. You know, so any any life form is going to have a boundary. A cell is going to have like a, a membrane, and it's going to be inside an organ, and that's going to be inside a body, and that's going to be inside a family and a community. And so we are we have our little membranes, but they're always permeable. So we're connecting into these other levels of uh, of connection. So what it really is saying is that we have these multiple levels of identity and they're not either or and that's the big switch that 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 i think thinking about things in in the in this sanctuary and mikdash kind of way it allows you to say i can have my particular identity i can be jewish or christian or whatever it is and that doesn't contradict i can be connected to all of humanity or i can be connected to all of all of nature Yes. And they don't contradict each other. They're they're nested. They're nested identities, and uh, and so that's 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 what I call mikdash. And do you I, and I I especially love this one. Do you find that it's um, it's more typical for people to feel like their mikdash is much smaller than it actually is? Like my mikdash, my my sanctuary is just me. 
Like I'm, I'm it or me and God versus being nested in something much, much, much bigger. Uh, The Jews, the Christians, the Muslims are all nested within a Brahman, correct? I mean, which is nested in something much bigger than Christian Islam or Judaism. Right, right, and exactly, and and unfortunately, as we're seeing today, you know, when people get when people get scared, they tend to make their boundaries really, you know, hard and solid and small. Yes, and 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 that's you know, in some ways, it's natural because people are afraid because we 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 want our identities and we want to feel like we have our communities, and yet they're not they're not really uh, they're not in their most healthy state when they're closed down yeah. and, and shutting off the outside. They're actually in the most healthy state when they're open. And so unfortunately we're seeing that kind of fear and closing down too much today. But uh, you know, it's, it, it really is about how can we be, you know, be in our small community and value that community, but also be, you know, welcome and include the larger community. Yes, I think this gets to how do we see as God sees? You know, how do we how do we lift our gaze from mm-hmm. just ourselves and the, those immediate uh, immediately next to us uh, to having a much bigger and broader spectrum? Um, right. I right. have in my notes here in this uh, section that uh, you you were talking about. It's not either or. It's not Christian or or Jew or Christian or Muslim. And then I have uh, uh, an argument for the sake of heaven. And I remember underlining that. Can you talk more about uh, about what that is and why that's germane to this conversation? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I love that because that's, uh, I think that this kind of sense of uh, multiple identities allows us to have what I call an argument for the sake of heaven, which means I can argue my point but I realize that I'm connected to, we are both connected yes. to something larger. And so, you know, you, fi- you, you found that in, in, in the rabbis in the Talmud in Judaism, they would validate argument and the whole Talmud is filled with arguments and they didn't find that religiously threatening to be arguing. People find it like, wow, your sacred text is like filled with argument. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't find that threatening because they felt but you know we know we're we're connected on a deeper level. Yes. And, and and the same thing, you know, the same thing with with nature, with our world of of nature where we can say, you know what? It's not about just putting nature on a pedestal and then going about my thing. Uh, I need to say, okay, I'm going to do my human thing and I can build a house or I can build a road, but I need to understand that I'm part of something larger, which is nature. Yes. So, you know, uh, Michael, Pol- Michael Pollan wrote in one of his earlier books called uh, Second Nature, he talked about a gardener having an argument with nature. But it's not an argument that the, that the gardener really thinks they're going to win. It's yeah. just an argument. It's an ongoing dialogue because I want to grow my tomatoes. So I'm going to pick those weeds and I'm going to, you know, but I'm not trying to vanquish nature. I'm just trying to, like, keep my place here. And I understand that I'm part of nature as well as in dialogue. Yes. So it's and and uh, you know and it's key to to our political you know dialogue today. Unfortunately, people we seem to have lost that sense of okay, we're all part of a larger whole that we're you know that we have one nation, 
that you know it's 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 sort of people are coming to this place of I'm in this camp or I'm in that camp, and people talk past each other because it's it you know it it seems to have lost that sense of argument for the sake of something larger. It seems like it's argument for the sake of self-preservation now, which yeah. is directly opposite of this argument for the sake of something bigger, the, the the whole. And I think, and I think you're right, Natan. I think that's where we're at right now. We're arguing for the sake of self-preservation, not knowing yeah. that those are the very, um, that's the very ammunition that will destroy us all. You know, right, uh, right. it comes back to when people feel afraid, they pull back and make it make these hard and stiff boundaries. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, we could talk for four more hours about that one, but let's get to the third, the third mem. Yeah, so the third mem is mitzvah, which is generally known as a commandment or a good deed. But the way I like to think about it, I think that it's kind of like the basic spiritual technology of the rabbis, which is, which is to say we have all these great you know, goals and ideals and ideas, but the basic thing is you have to do this one small act yeah. that's, that's in front of you right now. And that act could have incredible consequences. Like, and there's all sorts of stories about that, about you know, uh, people that, you know, that either they did or they didn't right. do the act. And it had like an amazing, you know, it saved, it saved the whole country or it saved someone's life just to do this one little thing. And the interesting part about it is, is that you don't know. Right. Because, and because you don't know, that's part of what makes it a spiritual act. It's like, I'm going to do the right thing, whether it's going to have an effect or not. And that's, you know, that's it. I, I often uh, quote Vaclav Havel about, you know, when he was in Czechoslovakia and, and uh, the, the whole communist regime seemed to be this giant, you know, opposition. And yet, even from prison, he said, you know, I have hope. And hope is not a, uh, a prognostication that things are going to go well. He said hope is a quality of the spirit. And it's something that you have and you feel like I need to do this because I just almost feel like I have no choice. This is the right thing to do. And that's what a mitzvah is. So you do that right thing, and you never know. It actually may change everything, because, because the world is open. It's not, set in, it's not set in like a mechanistic destiny. Right. You know, and, and, and that's, what makes it, that's what makes it interesting. We, we, the, you know, David can beat Goliath. Like, you know, you can beat the odds. And you don't know, though, but you just have to keep trying. Well, I even think that story of David and Goliath, I mean, I, I, I laugh because he, you know, he's, he's been anointed king at that point, And yet all of his brothers are out doing the important stuff, fighting the war. And he gets, I mean, if you read the, if you read the text, he gets sent by his father to bring like a, 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 a wheel of cheese to his brothers or something like right. that, you right. know, to which I might say, dad, I've been anointed king. Um, <laughs> now I'm not king yet, but I'm certainly not. Um, I certainly have a more important job than delivering a wheel of cheese to my brothers, but yeah. he does it right. And that yeah. leads, I mean, so you could say, um, in one sense, the defeat of Goliath goes back to this deciding to deliver the wheel of cheese, you know, right. Well, I mean, right. Th this is what yeah. we're talking about, right? That's great. Yeah, I love that interpretation. That's great. Exactly. You start out and because okay, this is what my father asked me to do. Yeah. 
see where we'll see where it leads. That's great. Yeah. And of course, Joseph, same story. His he gets sent by his father to see the to the, the shalom of his brothers who are going to kill him uh, or want to anyway. Uh, and yet he goes, you know, not knowing that if he'll survive or we don't know if he's ignorant of, of his brother's plans. He's probably not, um, right. you know, but he goes and, 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 and it does, it does, it does tip. It tips the yeah. balance. Exactly. Or, e or even that next, you know, in the, in the later part of the story, when Jacob is, doesn't want to send Benjamin down, right. Afraid he wants to hold on to like that sense of like safety. But then he realizes like, no, what, you know what? I need to do this. This is what needs to happen or else we're going to starve. Yeah. So I need to take that risk and do this, do this one act. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's, I mean, it's just all over Torah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so where, where are you going with this, with, with, with the three mems and you, and you're writing this, uh, you're writing this book. I mean, sort of where do you hope this goes? Well, you know, I see this as an amazing, you know, we have so many, so many problems and, 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 you know, issues today, but I also see this as an amazing time of opportunity because it feels like our culture is starting to shift. It's starting to shift away from uh, this way of looking at the world as reducing it to the smallest parts. And we're starting to shift so that the modern world is, and even all parts of modern science are starting to shift to look at things in their context and look at things as they fit together. And that allows us to connect to these ancient traditions, which yes. before seemed to like take a back seat and they weren't really understandable. They didn't seem to fit in. It was like a round peg in a square hole trying to fit these ancient traditions into our modern world. And now it feels like we have the beginnings of a common language where we can start to bring our spiritual life together with our secular life. And we can start to speak this language, which is going to be uh, it's both scientific and spiritual. Yes. And we can, we don't have to separate our, our identities. We can say, listen, I can, I can look at this forest and analyze it as an, as an ecologist without separating myself emotionally, because I'm going to be drawn in by the beauty of all these connections. Yes. And, and so the, the, our, our way of looking at the world is starting to really, I think what I'm hoping really integrate much more so that we can really be full people in our spiritual and and physical and emotional all you know sort of like working together. Oh, I love that. And you know, I I agree with you Natan. Uh I think so I'll just speak um as an American here. Uh, I think there's there's so there can tend to be such a fear about what's happening right now in our country with the administration and the White House. And yet I'm also seeing really people taking very seriously these small actions that, that they're, they're saying, okay, now maybe it really is up to the little guy to actually do the thing. And so I'm seeing incredible acts of hope, incredible acts of love. Um, mm -hmm. Even just, you know, the conversation between you and I is this beautiful, here's a Jewish rabbi, a Christian past, pastor, and it's like we could talk for hours, you know, like there's this immediate right. connection right. There, there, and, 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 and the God that you love and serve is the God that I love and serve. And, and, mm -hmm. and I love this idea of Mikdash because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, make wishy-washy your personal beliefs or my personal beliefs. We can hold those with complete integrity and mm -hmm. say there's difference there. 
and yet we're part of something much bigger than either one. I, I cannot yeah. tell you how much I love that. That gives language that doesn't go to a sloppy, eh, it's all the same thing. It's not all the same yeah. thing, but right. it's also not so separate that they, they aren't part of a bigger thing. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That, that, that's very, I, I love the way you put that because it's true. Like what I'm hoping to do is to like, it's not just, okay, this is holistic and let's be holistic, but let's try to really define that and, and, and come up with a few principles that we can, that we can work with that, uh, that help us. So yeah. And I totally agree. Like today calling your Senator or, you know, uh, voting or go show up, show up at a, at a, at a town meeting or whatever it is, those small mitzvahs, those small acts are uh, so important today. So, yeah, yeah. And thanks. So thank you for language for all of those things. The three mems. I, it's like, that's just so memorable to me. And I can't wait to read more of your stuff as it, as it comes out. So uh, maybe last question, Natan. So organic Torah, how would you describe that? And if I were to go on your website or listeners were to go on that website, uh, sort of what would they find and what we what would we be invited into? Well, thank you. Yeah. So by organic Torah, I, I, I just mean that the Torah is organized like a living like a living system. Yes. It's organized by how things fit together in, 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 in a weave and a network. And that's so that's what I mean by or, by organic Torah. Uh, so my website, actually, I'm going to get a new website in a couple of weeks. So like uh if you go on now, so know that that's an old website. But we're st we're starting to do a lot of things. I'm having I have workshops. There's a a bunch of blogs that you can see. This book will be hopefully coming out soon. But I do classes and workshops, and people are very welcome and invited to sign up for for any of those. And uh, also membership. We're just about to to launch a, a membership so that you can join, and you know have regular webinars and have uh you know come together and try to form a community so there's a lot going on and i really hope that people will visit the website organictorah.org and uh, say it again Natan. organictorah.org okay i am going to put that on the show notes it's organictorah.org uh, and from there, you can learn much more about what Natan is doing. You can get signed up for webinars and read some of his blogs. You guys, I have now I've talked to Natan twice and he's, uh, of course, Rabbi Alan Allman, who has been on the podcast several times, uh, introduced us. And so uh, much, much love to Rabbi Alan. Uh, but I think he, he knew, he knew that there was going to be this connection here. Uh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't say more, uh, about the, the kind of excitement that I get when I hear you talk, when I hear and see how you see the future, uh, it's electrifying, it's exciting. It's exactly what our, what our society needs right now. Um, so, uh, thank you so much, my friend for, yeah, for being you. on the podcast. I think we're going to have to have a round two, man, because this was way too quick. Yeah, this was short. And I, thank you so much, Steve, because this is such a wonderful opportunity for, to get to know you and to be on this podcast. And uh, as you said, it's it, we have this great chemistry. I do feel like we could talk for hours. And so, yeah, definitely let's do this again. I'd really look forward to that. Okay. So until then, everybody, 
visit organictorah.org, uh, Rabbi Natan Margalit. And uh, if you're in the Boston area, uh, do you have yeah. do you have live events that people can come to? Yeah, uh, I do. I mean, so so check check out the website again. It's it looks kind of it looks kind of clunky now, but it, it's gonna have a nice new look pretty soon. But um, it'll they'll be posted up there there now. Uh, there's nothing right now that I can just invite you to that's a live event uh, that's actually around here. But um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be going to the West Coast be, to be in the Bay Area on May 10th and 11th and 12th. I'm going to be in Baltimore in the very end of May. Okay. So I'm doing some traveling. So check out if you're in those areas. And is all that stuff going to be on the website, sort of where you're at? Yeah. All right, you guys. uh, Well, get into that. Uh, I know I would if I was in the Bay Area. I I have some friends. uh, I have some friends in Baltimore and the Bay Area. So if they're listening, Chris and others, get into it. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I have to go pick up my kids from school and take oh, them heck. to a swimming lesson. So <laughs> that's my beautiful life on a on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, and we'll connect soon again, uh, Natan. I I just th- this is too good for my soul to uh, to to not do it again. Yeah. So. Thank you so much, Steve. This is such a pleasure. Okay. I really love talking to you. Great. Peace, okay. my friend. Thanks. You Talk too. soon. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com.